0: the financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to TC's podcast on the go. I'm Chin Hui Eng, Program Director from Toronto Centre. We have just published a TC note entitled Risk-Based Supervision of Cross-Border Groups, and I'm very pleased today to have the author here with us, Paul Wright, to talk to us about it. So, Paul, thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you, chuan It's a great pleasure.
0: Paul is a veteran regulator and supervisor and a long-time program leader with Toronto Centre. Paul, you are the best person I know to talk to us about risk-based supervision and the application of that to supervising cross-border groups. So I wonder if we could first have you introduce yourself to our listeners and your experience in risk-based supervision and cross-border supervision.
1: Well, I was a senior supervisor in the UK uh, for a number of years. And I've also been a program leader with the Toronto Centre for almost uh, 10 years now. And I think I was asked to write the note, partly because of my previous experience. So I was responsible for the supervision of the largest global groups in the UK. And as you can imagine, they have extensive cross-border operations, but many of them also operate across sectors. So, you know, they undertake banking and securities and insurance within the same group. But besides that, in my nearly 10 years of experience with the Toronto Centre, I've worked with supervisors in many countries uh, who are at different stages in their supervision of international and cross sector groups. So it seemed timely, really, to take all that experience, uh, both in the UK and in the Toronto Centre. Uh, to take it and put it in one place so that we could share our experience with others.
0: Thank you, Paul, for that introduction. So perhaps straight to the TC note. Then, what is the TC note about? Could you give us like a broad outline?
1: Uh, yes. Well, I in a sense, it's um, the title is self-explanatory. It's about the supervision of cross-border groups. Uh, it starts off looking at groups with a single in a single sector. So. Uh, firms that are just doing banking or insurance, but have cross-border operations. And then it moves on to uh, the issues in supervising conglomerates, that's to say firms operating in more than one sector. And the key point really is a very simple one, and that is whether you're supervising the smallest firm or the largest global group, you need the same thing and you need a clear and full oversight of the business and the risks that are being run. Now, obviously, when you're looking at cross-border conglomerates operating across sectors in multiple jurisdictions, that poses particular challenges for both the home and the host supervisor. And there are plenty of examples from history, unfortunately, where you know, no supervisor had a comprehensive or coherent overview of what a group was doing, and that's often led to serious problems. So the note goes into all of that, and it gives some examples, uh, which are actually much simplified but still illustrate the potential complexities of dealing with cross-border and cross-sectoral groups. So, you know, it draws together existing material from uh, standard setting bodies, but it also aims to provide some practical advice on things like colleges, for example, and how to make them work better.
0: There is already quite a lot out there that's written on risk-based supervision and the various applications of that, including a series of TC notes on risk-based supervision written by yourself. So why produce this note now what does it add Yes so it's a good question so as you say there is quite a lot of existing material
1: uh, not only on risk based supervision um, but also on you know consolidated supervision and the operation of colleges in the nature of things some of that's a bit fragmented so for instance it's been produced by several bodies you know the joint forum the Basel committee and as you as you rightly say the Toronto center itself and it's good stuff I mean don't get me wrong it's very valuable But it seemed to be quite a good idea to try to draw some of that existing material together. But then to add to it, um, you know, the experience that we've had in dealing with these things in the Toronto Centre. And one thing, for instance, that's been clear to me over the years is that some supervisors have very little interaction with other relevant supervisors. So people sometimes say to us, well, you know, I have a firm that has operations in a neighboring country. But I've never actually spoken to the supervisor in that country. Or indeed, the firm may have operations in another sector. They may as well, I'm responsible for banking, but the firm also does insurance or securities. And there's another supervisor in my country that deals with those. And I've never had any contact with them either. And it's always surprising to me when supervisors say, you know, there are these other relevant supervisors around, but I haven't actually spoken to them. So we offer lots of practical steps, but the most basic one really is when that happens, you know, get in touch, talk to other supervisors because
0: it's really important. And I guess that's why you've placed quite a bit of emphasis on colleges of supervisors in the note. Well, yes, colleges are of fundamental
1: importance. Uh, I remember actually a long time ago now when colleges first started happening. We haven't always had colleges (laughs) and I can remember some of the very earliest ones. And it's surprising to think now there was Suspicion in some quarters about how they would operate, and some supervisors seen, almost seemed determined to raise obstacles. And there were a number of issues, you know, that arose with them. So, first of all, confidentiality issues with information sharing. I'll come back to that in a minute. Some supervisors also said, Well, we can't have a meaningful dialogue with other supervisors because we've got different um, accounting standards or different regulatory requirements, so we can't have a meaningful discussion. There were some supervisors, actually, often of non-bank parts of groups that didn't see the need for a college at all. You know, they'd say things like, well, I'm responsible for a small part of a group. It's self-contained. That might be, for example, a securities firm. Uh, The um, client money is all segregated. So if the firm failed, everyone would be OK. They'd get their money back. It's of no interest to me what what happens in the rest of the group. So I don't need to take part in a college. I remember quite a few people saying that. And what we've learned over the years about those kinds of concerns, we've learned quite a few lessons over the years, so first of all, you know not to get hung up on structures. Colleges are not fixed things, you know the form that they take and the membership and the agendas can be flexible depending on the issues of the moment and and they should be flexible too, so they shouldn't be uh, fixed structures. Secondly, it is just not the case that the supervisor of any part of a group can be indifferent to what happens. the rest of that group. You know, you may think, well, I'm responsible for supervising a little part of it, and that little part is insulated from the whole of the rest of the group, so I don't need to worry about anything else. Well, I've got news for you, and that is that that insulation probably won't work when things go wrong, or if things go wrong. So you really do, you know, however self contained you may think you or your part of the group is, uh, it isn't really, and you should be interested, and you should be involved in discussions of the wider group. And then finally, dealing with that question of confidentiality, uh, which was such a barrier in so many cases, it is true, of course, that a lot of supervisory information is confidential. And of course, that confidentiality has to be respected. Uh, Of course, it does. But equally, you know, we shouldn't be fixated with it. And if people want to make colleges work, they can find ways around this they can find ways to share information at least on a kind of need to know basis so you can have gateways written into your regulations you can have memoranda of understanding so there are all sorts of ways in which if there's a will to do it you can share information that's relevant of course to other supervisors and you shouldn't be fixated by confidentiality it shouldn't be a barrier although as i say it always needs to be respected but I'd make one other point about your question really, and that is this: even if you think as a supervisor, well, yes, we probably do need a college, but that may be some way down the road, you know we're not ready to do that yet. There's still a key first step that you can take, and that is just getting in contact with other relevant supervisors. So if you have a counterparty in another country responsible for another part of your bank or your insurance company or, or whatever, pick up the phone or do a zoom call or just say hi you know let's just have a talk about this group work we have a shared interest in it and f- for that matter even if you have another supervisor within your jurisdiction as i say if you're responsible for the banking part but there's someone else looking at the insurance part or the securities part get in touch with them as well you know it's really important to do that it's immeasurably important and more valuable to have some contact than it is to have none you don't have to have a full fully fledged college although that's a desirable stage to aim for and it's surprising how many supervisors haven't got to that stage you know I often speak to supervisors in in countries who say well I know these people are there and I haven't really ever spoken to them well do so you know pick up the phone have a zoom do whatever it takes
0: well thanks for reminding us again of the value of uh, you know supervisory contacts, building those relations But many host supervisors say it's actually quite difficult to get a hearing in the supervisory colleges when they happen. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, it is an issue. And it's especially an issue, I think, when you have large groups that have operations in many countries. And, you know, it's very common to hear that a branch or a subsidiary, it may be very important in a host jurisdiction, it might have high impact there. But to be honest, it may be only a small part of a group's total operations. And when that happens, it gives rise to what in the note uh, I call an asymmetry of impact. So in other words, a branch or a subsidiary may loom much larger in the mind of a host supervisor uh, than it does uh, in the mind of the home supervisor, or for that matter, the parent firm. And that can be very frustrating for hosts who feel, you know, I've got this firm, which is of great importance to me. I keep trying to get a hearing by having a dialogue about it, but the home supervisor is not really interested because they always feel they have bigger, more important things to worry about.
0: Yes, I like the term that you use the asymmetry of impact, but what can we actually do about this? Is there a solution to this?
1: Well, there isn't a magic solution. Uh, no, because obviously, um, you know, frankly, there is going to be that asymmetry and, and people have to be realistic about that. So there's no magic solution. But we do offer some common sense advice in the note. And above all, you know, hosts should speak up. I mean, I often hear people complaining about the fact they can't really get much of a hearing, but I'm not often sure how hard they, they try, really. And hosts should speak up And I can think of two cases, you know, people might want to think about. So the first one is, supposing you're a host supervisor and you're seeking some reassurance from the home supervisor. So you might say, well, you know, can we be sure that this group is basically sound or can we be sure that the controls in the parent firm are uh, adequate or sufficiently strong? Well, you know, that's something I need to know as a host. I can't find that out directly by definition because it's about the home country operation or about the parent. I can't find it out. I need to ask you, the home supervisor. Now, my advice there is if you have a concern like that, raise it well in advance of a college. Don't wait for the college, but raise it well in advance. And then even if it turns out that it doesn't warrant an agenda item on the college itself, you know, it still gives the home an opportunity to respond. They might find an alternative way of doing it. They might get in touch with you bilaterally or create some sort of parallel structure to the college, which can deal with issues like that. So, you know, raise the issue. Don't hesitate to do so and do it well in advance. And there's another kind of issue, which is where the host may observe something which they think might be of wider significance. So supposing you're a host supervisor and you say, you know, it seems to me a lot of the control procedures in the branch or the subsidiary uh, that I'm responsible for look a bit weak. You know, I'm not really convinced they're very effective. But when I challenge the firm about it, they say, well, no, this is our firm-wide standard and the home supervisor is perfectly happy with them. So you should be as well. Now, that's something where The host may have a concern about that and want to check that with the home supervisor, but it may be of interest to others as well who may have observed similar issues as host supervisors. So again, you know, raise it with the home. It may warrant an agenda uh, item in the college if it's of wide enough significance. But even if it doesn't, you know, you could you can seek a bilateral response. As I said, the home supervisor may choose then to set up a some sort of complementary or parallel structure to the to the college proper in which issues like that can be addressed. So, you know, speak up. And the third point I think we say uh, we make in the note is home supervisors are always going to be much more willing to talk to you if you have something to offer. So if you say, look, I've got some insights into how this firm's cross-border operations work, because I see those as the host supervisor, so I've got something to tell you, which is of relevance and interest, and in return, I hope you'll be open uh, with me. So, you know, speak
0: up. Yes, those are indeed some of the common scenarios faced by host and home supervisors in their interaction. So, thank you again, Paul, for bringing us through the highlights of the note and also the motivation for this TC note. So, just bringing this session to a close Is there one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners based on this work?
1: Uh, Well, there is. And and my advice would be read the note because it's a complex area, potentially. And obviously, we can't really do justice to it in a short uh, discussion like this. So uh, we've talked about some of the issues and some of the highlights. But do please read the note because it draws on a wealth of experience that I, as the author, but also the Toronto Centre, have amassed over the years. And as I say, it aims to be a combination of uh, standard setting material, but also real world advice, which we hope people will find useful.
0: Yes, I would certainly recommend a note to everyone who's listening to the podcast. So I'm here today with Paul Wright. Paul, thank you again. And you've been listening to a Toronto Centre podcast on the go. Thank you for joining us.